Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around Him, and the impact He empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. Again, good morning and welcome. It is so good to be together and I'm really excited to get to continue on our little mini-series that we've been in looking at what might happen if. Hopefully you've been enjoying it so far and it's been giving you some food for thought and some things to wrestle with. As I said, I'm really excited about helping us uh, look at what we're going to be looking at today. So, so what is it? What's our what might if for today? Well, J.R.R. Tolkien said, a single one is more powerful than a thousand realities. And Eleanor Roosevelt once said, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of theirs. Gabrielle sang that they can come true, or if you need something older, the Everly Brothers sang, it's all they have to do. And if you're still lost, Martin Luther King famously had one. I'm talking, of course, about dreams. What might happen if we dream, you know, even just a little, what might happen if we took some time to dream? Now, to put some parameters on it, I'm not talking primarily about what happens in our subconscious when we sleep, though there are tons and tons of biblical passages about God leading and guiding His people in that way, and those are awesome. But what I, I want us to think about is more along the MLK lines. I'm talking about the ability to imagine a future reality that is not our current experience. You see, when we can imagine things, not as they are, but as they might one day become, it gives us the, the impetus or, or a drive to move forward. It even gives us a direction to begin moving in. And you know, for me, 15 years of shared life with those caught in cycles of poverty has led me to believe that dreams are really, really powerful. That the ability to articulate a preferred future, a, a vision or a goal of how you would like life to be is actually a necessary first step in seeing those cycles broken. Without a, a dream, it's almost impossible to move towards health and wholeness and growth and flourishing. You know, no one travels halfway around the world in search of a new life if they don't imagine that it will be better than the horrors that they're currently experiencing. No one comes out of addiction or debt or cycles of abuse unless they can imagine a day free from their current pain. You know, no one finds the courage to embrace learning a new skill or training in a new field or even just applying for a new job you know, without the vision of a more fulfilling life ahead. We, we know this to be true. Dreams give us power and impetus to move forward, even just in our own experiences. You know, the idea of a summer holiday, or if that's too far away, maybe even just a short Easter break, gives us the drive 
brave to endure those cool, dark winter mornings. Or even, you know, the, the, the image of a Friday night by the fire, the weekend stretching ahead of us, helps us through a Monday morning blues. You know, dreams, that, that, that you know, a future different from our current reality is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. And why wouldn't it be? It is one of the very characteristics of the God in whose image we're made. Right in creation, we see a God who imagines a world into being. Who looks at chaos and at disorder and calls into life a different way. A way of order, of beauty and of flourishing. A God who begins a good work of creation and then creates humanity in his likeness. Empowers us with creativity and imagination and commissions us to finish what he started. To to fill the earth and to subdue it. To take what is in chaos and to imagine another way. And then partner with him in making it so. In his provocative book, The Gift of the Jews, Thomas Cahill uh, writes about how the people of God were unique in this aspect. They were the first civilization to see life not as a cyclical, not as a, a repeating cycle of events that was unchangeable by human endeavor, but as linear, as heading somewhere. At God's leading, they saw all of human history moving towards a crescendo, moving towards a preferred future. And as they partnered with the one true God, they in fact played a part in making this longed-for future come to pass. They were the first people to think in that way because they thought with the mindset of God Almighty. And as Jesus would, you know, thousands of years later teach his disciples to pray, they wanted it to be on earth as it was in heaven. You see, a vision of what might one day be makes us empowered participants in the here and now. Dreams are powerful. Dreams stir us. Dreams give us the courage to try. I don't know about you, but at times I can feel pretty overwhelmed by life on a day-to-day basis, especially in this last season. There is so much swirling around us, so much that seems you know, not just out of our control, but out of anyone's control. And it can seem like life just kind of happens to us, just pushes us along at this ever-increasing pace. I mean, how in the world is it almost April? I'm still trying to settle on what my New Year's resolutions are going to be for the year. I mean, I'm half joking, but I'm also kind of not. I'm realizing that it is entirely possible to just drift through life being forced along at someone else's beck and call. It might even be possible to reach 70 or 80 and still be trying to work out, what am I for? You're still, even at that stage, being pushed along by someone else filling my to-do list and life being something that happens to me. And I don't want that to be the case. And I think dreaming might be part of the antidote. Creating space in our overly busy lives to ponder and to imagine what might be possible 
could be the very thing that shakes us out of the mundane, shakes us out of the everyday and gives us the momentum to reach for the life we were made for. I'd love to just pray that over us today as we look at some of this. So Jesus, where we feel like life is just washing over us, where we feel like we are buffeted along in the storms and by someone else's choices, would you come shake us free? Would you give us the ability to imagine a different way of being, a way of journeying life with you that is full of adventure and kingdom potential? I pray you'd speak to us and stir us and challenge us afresh today. Just come have your way. Amen. In Luke chapter 1, we read of an angel appearing to Mary, giving her just the most startling of announcements. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Such an incredible message for Mary to receive. And a few days later, as she embraces her relative Elizabeth and has the angel's message confirmed, we see this teenage girl just burst into the most amazing song. Mary's Magnificat is a prophetic imagining of what this not even yet bump in her womb might one day bring about. It is a vision of a future that gives her courage to face what lies ahead, full of hope and full of promise. And then, nine months and one chapter later, as God enters the world in human form, the angels appear again, and this time to the shepherds, and they too needed confirmation. Uh, We pick it up in Luke chapter 2, verse 16. So they hurried off, that's the shepherds, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I love that verse 19. I've always loved it and found it so intriguing. Everyone is astounded. Everyone's mind is blown and they're worshipping and celebrating. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Powerful, powerful verse. And then again, just a few verses later in Luke's account, he's jumped ahead 12 years and Jesus gets left behind in the temple in Jerusalem as his parents head for home. You know, hashtag parent fail. Hopefully we haven't all been there. But when they realize and they return to find him, we read this beginning at verse 49. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. Again, it's this same phrase. Mary treasured these things in her heart. Mary knew what it was to ponder, to dream, to wrestle with the tension of what is and what has been promised but is not yet here. 
And there is something in the pondering, in the wrestling and the dreaming that is deeply holy and deeply divine. Something that that keeps us anchored to the idea that this world is not all that it should be. And that somehow with God we are to be agents of change. Active participants in reaching for more than what we currently see around us. Without dreaming, we easily succumb to the status quo. But Mary dreams and she ponders and she treasures these things in her heart. And then 18 years later, in one of the other few times that we encounter Mary in the Gospels, John gives us a hint of how this pondering and this dreaming and this wrestling has shaped her. Jesus has yet to begin his ministry um, but in, and in John 2, as the wine runs out at a wedding, Mary speaks from a heart that has treasured and pondered for decades. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to them, said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. But Mary is not perturbed by Jesus' objection. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Something's happened in the decades of pondering. And of course, his first miracle ensues as he turns the water into wine. Mothers, no. Isn't that right, mums? On this of all days, we would do well to pause and to just acknowledge that mothers know. They carry something in their hearts, a dreaming and a wrestling, a treasuring and a contending for what might lie in their children's future. And they know. And mums, we we honour you today for your relentless contending for what might one day be. But there is power in dreaming, in pondering and wrestling. What might happen if we took time to dream? took time to ponder the truths of God's kingdom and wrestle through what they might look like in our day and in our time. What would it look like if heaven invaded your workplace this week? What might the kingdom coming amongst your friends look like? How might our city shift and change if the not yet became the now? How might a little time spent dreaming with Jesus today shake loose the potential of your tomorrow? I don't know what Mary's pondering and treasuring looked like all those years, but I do have some tips for dreaming. You know, a few suggestions as to how we might make space in our lives to partner with God in imagining the kind of future that we were made to usher in. So firstly, we need to create some space within our overly full lives. Space and in particular permission to ourselves to not be productive. Productivity is the enemy of imagination. If you have an endless need to produce, to show you know, an end result or an outcome for the last 10 minutes or 30 minutes or hour or whatever, then I guarantee that your head will not be in a space where you can dream. 
We live in a culture and in a moment that is obsessed with output. We are what we produce or, or what we achieve or so we're told day in, day out. But that's not the biblical story. We are made in the image of a God who rests, who creates margin and space and downtime to simply breathe, breathe and to simply be. A God who invites Elijah when he is at the absolute end of himself to simply sleep and eat and then sleep some more. A God who causes David to write, you make me lie down in green pastures. Not invite, you make me lie down in green pastures. Rest and space and time away from producing are essential for the holy work of nourishing our souls through dreaming. What could that look like for you? What does that look like to create space for a moment or an afternoon or a day or a week to create space to not produce but to simply rest and to dream? Maybe it's just you know, 10 minutes in a comfy chair with a good coffee just staring out a window or staring at a, at a fire that's lit and bubbling and crackling or staring at a beautiful painting. Something to just allow your mind to drift. Maybe it's sitting on the bench and feeling the sun just beaming down on your face and breathing in the fresh air. You know, I actually really struggle with this. I'm someone who is driven, who is constantly trying to produce, constantly trying to wrestle with solving problems. And one of the things I find by accident, um, we, we, you know, every, every year we try to get a space where maybe once a year we get away for a night in a hotel. Without our kids, just Laurie and I, to have some space and to breathe and to reconnect. Uh, I think we're better parents for it. And um, we've often been privileged to be able to do that in hotels that have spas. Places where you can sit in a hot tub or you can lie by the side of a pool. And one of the things that I've discovered is that is a space that actually enables me to dream. Bit of an expensive discovery, unfortunately, but it really works for me. There's something about uh, being in a space where I can't produce anything. I'm, I'm, I'm just there wrapped in a towel, probably sweating because I've been in a sauna, half asleep, but it stirs this space where my mind rests and my soul begins to breathe deeply and I can actually dream. That might not be what it is for you, but what would it look like to create space in your calendar, in your days, in your weeks, in your months, and even physical space? Is it a bench? Is it a chair? Is it a walk in nature? Where is it for you that your mind can come to rest and you can begin to breathe? If you are an extrovert and a verbal processor, don't panic. We love you. It's okay. We love you. You can actually do this with others. I'm a bit like that myself. And I've created spaces in my calendar at times where I gather people around me who love to dream and we talk. Not to produce an outcome. Not to solve a problem. But to simply bounce ideas off one another. And I find those spaces and those kinds of people enable me to dream. So that might be what it is for you. We each need to look at ourselves and see what does it mean to create space space to be able to dream. Secondly, we've got to stop worrying about the how 
Or you could call this, you know, get the editors out of the way. So many ideas and dreams and adventures die before they even get the chance to take a breath because someone declares, that'll never work. We've all been there in those meetings, I'm sure. You know, the beginning of an idea hasn't even finished crossing your lips before someone issues, you know, seven health and safety objections and 14 meters of red tape and the wind just gets sucked out of the room. We've been there and it kills dreaming. Now, don't get me wrong. Editors are absolutely invaluable. We would never get anything done without them, or at least nothing that actually works or achieves anything. But dreaming, imagining, wrestling and pondering have to be given space first. So give yourself permission to not need to work out how something might be possible. Just allow yourself to spend time joyfully exploring what might be possible. The chances are over time the initial idea won't be your final thought but the journey is really really important. If you try to work out the how first you'll stifle what an idea can become. Imagining a city where no one went without food which seems a lot like a kingdom of God kind of thing to me was where Storehouse was born. That's the idea that we started with. How do we create a city where no one goes without food? Now, there are at least a dozen really good reasons why that's unlikely or impossible to see happen, all of which we could see from the get-go. But ignoring those reasons and instead wrestling with the possibility, pondering the vision, allowing the dream to take seed and to grow, led us on a now 14-year journey of seeing the lives of countless vulnerable people in our city impacted and transformed, and seeing a beautiful, life-giving community form around so much more than food. But the dream had to start somewhere. And if we had edited it too quickly, we'd have got nowhere. You've got to create space. You've got to give yourself permission to dream. You've got to let yourself off the hook of working out how. And then the most important step, invite Jesus into your daydreaming. It might seem like a no-brainer, but most of us don't put daydreaming in the holy category. If I'm right, I think I'm right. Most of us put it in the getting you shouted at at school or clipped around the ear category, depending on your age. But I think spending time imagining what the kingdom come might look like is a profoundly holy act. I dare say that daydreaming with Jesus counts every bit as much as any other spiritual discipline. I don't know about you, but my sitting down to pray often drifts into dreaming and scheming and wondering and imagining. And I used to feel really guilty about that. I used to feel that praying needed a strict structure and a tight focus and a good degree more earnestness than I was giving it. And absolutely, there are times when our prayer life should be all that and more. I have plenty to learn from our amazing intercessors. But there is also room to find intimacy with Jesus in kingdom daydreaming. 
inviting him to guide our thoughts, to fuel our imagination and seeing where the space takes us. There is nothing irreligious or bad or unspiritual about sitting down with a coffee and inviting Jesus to daydream with you and to allowing your mind to wonder at the possibilities of what might be if we partnered with him. Um, and the final tip then is be honest. What is it that's really on your heart? Don't get caught in the what I should be or ought to be thinking about and praying. You know, there are for sure times for intentionally choosing to contend with Jesus over specific issues. But when it comes to dreaming, when it comes to imagining what we're made for and what the next season of our lives might be about, what if we started with our hearts? What if we considered that maybe, just maybe, our passions and our longings and the desires of our hearts were shaped and formed by the God who thought us into being? What is it that stirs your heart? What are you not okay with in the world around you right now? What gets you fired up that you could just talk about for hours on end? What if you created some space to allow Jesus to speak into that passion? What if we explored our longings with him? If your passion is teaching, you don't let your conversations with Jesus be simply praying for the global crisis all around us right now, the things that you know we ought to be praying about all the time. Spend a little bit of time dreaming with him about the kind of classroom he might like you to create. You know, if you didn't have to work out the how, what kind of conversations might you like to have with your students? Just dream a little and see what bubbles up. See what he brings to mind. If you're passionate about justice, let your mind wander to the kind of city Belfast could be if Jesus had his way. Dream big, crazy, stupid dreams that are utterly impossible because I promise you that a residue of something that is possible will be left behind in the dreaming. If you're passionate about cooking and about hospitality, dream with Jesus about how that might build community around you. Don't relegate your passions to the unholy part of life as if there were such a thing. Instead, invite him to breathe kingdom possibility into them. So much of what I've seen Jesus do in the lives of those around me started with people who were willing to dream. Willing to take a passion or a gifting or or even just a discontent in their hearts and invite Jesus to breathe on it. Invite him to lead and guide their imagination and to begin to reach for something that wasn't a current reality. What are you reaching for? What might happen if you took some time and some space to daydream with Jesus, to allow him to breathe life into the whisper of an idea? What might your future or the next week or the next season look like in your life if he was the one that was fueling your imagination? 
you know, as we come in for a landing, just a word of caution. Dreaming is not for the faint-hearted. Springsteen once sang, "If is a dream a lie if it don't come true, or is it something worse? There's a danger in dreaming when it doesn't become a reality. The writer of Hebrews, having scribed just a list of people of incredible faith, people reaching for things that weren't yet a reality, offers this caution. Hebrews eleven thirteen. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And we could swap out country there to future. They're not looking to return to what they've come from. They're belonging and believing for a different future and a better future. They all dreamed and reached for and believed in a future that they didn't fully get to see. Mary's prophetic declaration of who her son was to become in the Magnificat leads her to the heartache of the cross. She gets to see only a foretaste of her ponderings and dreamings of the kingdom he came to usher in. Imagining what might be, prayerfully surrendering our passions and our longings into the hands of the God who made us and allowing him to shape our vision of the future will absolutely fill us with hope and expectation, but it will also leave us with faith for more than we might get to see this side of heaven. That longing for more, that continually reaching is good and is holy. It stops us settling for less than God's best. It keeps us humble, finding our worth not in what we've achieved, but in who he says we are. And it keeps us reliant on him, in need of the one who can make sense of our disappointments and our seeming failures, you know, who can hold us in the tension of what we're reaching for and what we're currently experiencing. A dream is a really powerful thing, but we need to do it in partnership and in intimacy with a God who can hold us fast in the in-between in the tension of what is and what he's inviting us to partner with him in bringing into, into being. We need to not try and do this without him. So what are you reaching for? Is life something that is happening to you, that's just washing over you? Or are you intentionally creating space to dream for more? Are you inviting Jesus to connect your passions and your frustrations, your gifts and your doubts with the kingdom that he is ushering in? What might happen if you gave yourself permission to just dream a little with Jesus this week? I'm not asking you to change the world tomorrow. I'm not trying to guilt you into trying to do a bunch more stuff in a ready full calendar. 
I'm simply inviting you to consider creating space to find intimacy with Jesus in dreaming of what he might have for you to be part of in this next season to come. And I dare to believe, I'm crazy enough to believe that you might just find that dreaming with Jesus shakes something loose in your heart. If it does, I would love to hear about it. Feel free to reach out and contact me. So let me pray for you as we close. Jesus, I thank you that you created us with imaginations and creativity. I thank you that you have a future for us that is better than our present reality. I thank you that you have a kingdom that you are ushering in, that you invite us to partner with. And I pray today, would you unlock our ability to dream? Would you unlock our ability to reach for more than we're currently seeing? Would you stir our imaginations? Would you birth creativity in our hearts? Would you give us the courage to carve out space? And as we invite you in, would you come speak deeply and profoundly with us? Would you teach us what it means to ponder and to treasure the things of your kingdom in our hearts? And would you give us the courage to take those first steps to act upon the things that you stir up? to come meet with us, bless us, redeem us, and call us to more this week. Amen. Amen, guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.